Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. (laughs) Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sideline Podcast with Coach Steve. I'm Coach Steve. Today's guest, I have the man, the myth, the legend, Coach Kurt Hines. I'm trying not to fanboy out right now. I just told him that we just talked a little bit. Um, if you don't know who he is and you're on social media, you have a problem if you don't know who he is. Um, he's very inspirational. I love it. Every day I try to see what he's going to say next. Um, so Coach, for anybody under a rock that doesn't know who you are, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on, Coach. It's, it's a blessing to connect. Yeah, you know, without trying to sound humble, you know, I, I, I try to think I'm not arrogant. I'm uh, honestly just a, a guy who is blessed. I'm married to my best friend, four kids, two grandkids. I, I teach elementary school. I taught for 26 years. I coach high school football going on my 23rd. And uh, as I was just saying offline a little bit, I'm, a, I'm an expert in nothing but passionate about many things. So I'm happy to be here with you. No, thank you. I, I just told Coach off air, this is me taking my shot. And, and he said yes. And so this is probably the high of my career right here, this <laughs> newbie podcast. Um, and I forgot to say off air, breaking news for you in California, Pac-12 is coming back. Yes, they voted. They're coming back. They're going to play in November. Uh, Someone said the Big Ten and Pac-12 tried to play hide-and-seek and see who was going to follow, and nobody else did, so now they have to come back. So that's just breaking news for people. Uh, 
I used to watch Washington State all the time with Mike Leach. Whoa. Now I'm not going to anymore, but now I have to watch Mississippi State. Um, so the first question I ask every coach, because I'm always curious, is how you got into coaching. And I've asked these coaches, and it's always been a different answer, which I love. Um, like me, I wanted to do it since I was 16. 16 years old, I said, I'm coaching. That's what I want to do. Uh, my coach was an inspiration for that. So I'm always curious, like, was it a coach? Was it a mentor? Was it from playing? Uh, did you just get bored and say, I'm going to coach? Like, hey, how did that happen? Yeah, great question. So I always knew I wanted to be a teacher since seventh grade. I was a, a not a problem child, but I got into a lot of problems. Uh, I got into a lot of trouble. And I had a seventh grade math teacher, and math was my least favorite subject. But I remember he would sit, my math teacher, on his desk for five, ten minutes before every class and just talk to us about life. Nothing to do with, you know, math or whatever. And it was then that I thought to myself, I want to do that. I, I want to I make a difference to teach. So what happened was my senior year in college, one of my professors in, in education approached me and she said that the local middle school was looking for a coach for a special needs flag football team. Had never thought about coaching. Played football from second grade through college. Loved everything about it. I never thought about coaching, but then I had a chance to be on a field with a bunch of children with special needs, ranging from autism to Asperger's to, um, gosh, uh, Down syndrome, you know, just, just children that have a joy for life and really, you know, just are happy to be alive, you know. And there was a young girl, I don't remember her name, but I remember tossing the football to her five or six times from about three yards away, underhand, and she dropped it every single time. And the seventh or eighth time that she, I tossed it to her and she caught it, I saw her eyes light up and she just looked like she had just won the lottery. And that was the first time, Coach, that I remember thinking to myself, I want to do that. Like, like, if I can marry, I don't know, I never thought about it, but if I can marry making a difference in someone's life, you know, lives, and along with the sport I love everything about, I want to do that. So I reached out, my uh, third year teaching, my wife and I got married young, we were 22. And uh, spent my first three years teaching, just, just teaching and raising a young family. And then uh, it was my fourth year teaching. I reached out to the local high school head coach. And, uh, and I always tell people who want to get into coaching, I said, reach out to a coach and say, I'm willing to volunteer to do anything. And it just so happened that he had a head coaching position open for the freshmen. I was terribly underqualified, but I, I was a body with a pulse and a passion. So I uh, started coaching there for seven years, loved everything about it. And I was blessed because he was a coach that uh, knew the game well and knew people and loved people. So I, I learned from someone who really, in my opinion, after coaching for 23 years now, did things right. Yeah, um, my girlfriend does early intervention and ABA therapy with kids like that. So yeah. she loves doing that. Um, I was the same way, like. A coach made a difference in my life. Sports made a difference. So I said, this is what I want to do. I was 16 and I already knew. I was like, this is what I was going to do. So it's always crazy how everybody has a different path to yeah. how they did it. Um, so where, let's talk about your coaching, like where you've coached at, because you've been all over the place. So where were you, like where you're from? Did you coach there? Like where did you coach there? And then, then we'll talk about how you moved all the way out to where you are now. Because I yeah. thought moving three hours was a lot. Moving <laughs> three hours north was a lot. What you did, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> It's a, it's a born and raised in Rhode Island, but went to college in New Hampshire, played at Plymouth State, and uh, coached uh, at Sauhegan High School for my first seven years as the head freshman coach. And at the end of every season, uh, Mike Bellavo, who was the head coach, said, Coach, come on up to varsity. 
And I, I respectfully always turned them down. And I had nothing but respect for them to this day. But I love doing my own little thing, having my own little group. And I had no desire to not only not be a head coach, I had no desire to be a varsity coach. I just loved where I was. Then, then I got a call one day from the head coach of a town I lived in. And he said, hey, we'd love to have you coach. We've coached against you enough. We'd love to have you coach with us. And uh, my wife and I had three daughters and one son. Our son was going to be in high school in a few years. So the idea of possibly coaching him was uh, exciting to me. I went to this uh, second school I coached at and just didn't see eye to eye with the coach there. Um, and that's all I'll say. Uh, after two weeks, I said to my wife, I'm done. You know, I'm going to honor my commitment, obviously, and finish the year. And uh, I was going to go back to Sauhegan where I started, or she was, my wife was working at a brand new high school, and they were looking for a head coach. And my wife, who's my best friend, said, hey, apply for the head coaching job here. <laughs> and I remember laughing at her. I said, Joe, I love you, but I've been a freshman coach for seven years. I'm a varsity assistant for a month. You know, I'm not qualified. And she kind of called me on my own, uh, my own stuff, if you will. And she said, listen, you're always talking about giving a shot and giving your all and trying. She says, you have nothing to lose. So I applied for the job. Uh, got the job. Uh, but before I'll, I'll talk about that very briefly. I remember in my second interview, the athletic director and the uh, principal, it was a very affluent community in Bedford, New Hampshire, brand new high school. We didn't have any seniors yet. And I remember them asking, they said, coach, if you get the job, how long before you're in the playoffs? And I don't know why, but without hesitation, I said three or five years. And they both laughed at me. And I remember thinking to myself, like, all right, I'll, I'll prove you wrong. So I got the job. First year, we set records in the state of New Hampshire. We're getting beat up more than any other school in the, in the history of the game, probably. Uh, it was humbling, I'll tell you. I, I did so much wrong. Our playbook was this thick. We ran it all poorly, and it, it wasn't the players. It was me. I tried to do way too much. Um, but it was my greatest year coaching to date, and I really mean that because when you lose week after week after week, and I'm not talking about, hey, those close games. Like, <laughs> you know when you walk through after a game, win or lose, you, you shake the other team's hand, you say, good game. No one even – they're like beautiful, great. Man, we're that bad. They're not going to lie to us. Uh, but it, it really made me solidify. Why do I want to be a head coach? Because with all respect to every assistant out there, I, I'm a firm believer. You can be an assistant and pour into the young men or young women. You can love them. You can be one of the best knowledgeable coaches and not be on the staff being an assistant. But there's a lot less responsibility. Mm -hmm. right? Um, so I, it really made me do some soul searching and ask why I want to be a head coach. And it really was to have the power to hire the men and women around me that love people and secondly, love the game. Because I, I've coached, unfortunately, not unfortunately, I've learned a lot, but I've coached with a, enough people who love the game and use people, you know? So uh, I was there, you know, first year we lost every game that our teeth kicked in. Second year we won two. Third year we won five and and sneaked into the playoffs. So I said within three to five years. And then my last four years, we went to the state championship, three out of the four years, each time in a higher division. Um, and we uh, had 144 young men in our program and not I, by any stretch of the imagination, but we built a powerhouse. And I thought, this is it. This, this, is, this is our home. We had just done a fundraiser for a brand new weight room and it was, life was great. And then our oldest daughter called, uh, you talked about the transition out here to California. She had come out to San Diego State, had gotten married, and uh, she called one day to my wife and I and said, I'm pregnant. And my heart just left. I was like, yes, I'm going to be a grandfather. And then it sank. I was like, oh, I'm moving. 
because we knew we, we didn't want to be grandparents on the other side of the country. So uh, huge leap of faith. We, we, I jokingly said we sold everything, but I, I teach. So we only had two things. We sold both things we had, but, uh, we, and we just drove across country. Uh, my wife didn't have a job yet. We hadn't sold our house yet. And uh, I love, I'm blessed. I love everything about teaching and coaching, but we don't have a savings where like some families, you can afford five, six, seven months of paying mortgage and rent. It was three days into our trip across country that our realtor, who we signed over power of attorney to, she called and said the house sold. And both, both my wife and I were in our truck and we started crying because we, we, wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have made it financially. Um, so yeah, came out here, coached at a, at a private Christian school for two years. It was a blessing to be there. And then I just felt the call to be a head coach again. So three years ago, took over at Coronado High School here in Coronado, California, and uh, loving every minute of it. Every minute of it. Yeah, I bet the weather is a little bit nicer <laughs> out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Real quick about that, Coach. I, I used to think I hated winter. I absolutely love winter. I was just in the wrong part of the country. Winter is <laughs> 72 and sunny. You kidding me? Go to the beach. <laughs> it's beautiful. You know, I talked to some coaches from South Carolina, and I was like, I need to go down there. They're playing football. But there's no snow. Yeah. Uh, I'm up here by Chicago where we start football in February. We're going to have snow. Yeah. Can we make it to practice? Who even knows how that's going to look? Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, I, I love I, – I think if you love football for the right reasons, you're going to love the people you coach no matter where you are. I love our young men, young women back in New Hampshire. I love our young men here in Coronado. But every so often I'll walk out to practice. And where our field is coached, you know, Coronado Island, we have a naval base. We have that community. We have the, the, the people that live here, you know, always. But in the middle of our field, we look downtown and we can see Petco Park. We can see downtown San Diego. It's magnificently beautiful. I walk out to practice sometimes and our young men will be wearing long sleeves. And, and you know, I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, coach, it's cold. I'm like, it's 69. It's 70 degrees, you know. And I told them back in New Hampshire, like you guys, you, know, you start football in 102 degree weather with 100% humidity. And if you're fortunate enough, you're shoveling the field to get ready for practice for playoffs. So it's, uh, it's not bad being out here. Yeah, um, I have a funny story. Um, I was at Eastern. Dino Baber showed up, and we had Jimmy G there and everything. Um, he coached at Hawaii. He coached at Baylor. So he's been around warm weather. So Illinois spring ball one day. I'm setting up practice. Everybody's in like a lot. It's like 65 or 60 degrees. Some of us are in long sleeves, some of us or whatever. He comes out in like a hoodie, parka, a hat on bouncing around like this and we're like what are you doing he goes it is cold I'm from Texas and Hawaii like this is ridiculous and he loves his up-tempo offense he had a stopwatch to see how fast they're going he couldn't hardly hit the button to get the gloves on so that's my Dino Baba story with that like he and I'm like oh it's 60 I'm in shorts and t-shirt or whatever like and then Chicago is I was the only guy in shorts my first time coaching Chicago I have to share this just because you mentioned the shorts and you may have heard me before refer to, you know, Panthers leg prison. I've always been, I've been a shorts guy my entire life, growing up in Rhode Island, coaching in New Hampshire. I just, I'm not a fan of pants. I'll wear them at funerals, weddings, and football banquets. That's it. I, uh, back in New Hampshire, not because I think I'm tough. Well, I do, but I'm not that tough. I, I always wore shorts. Pouring rain, snow, sleet, you name it. Move out to California. The first game I coached in out here as an assistant at Christian High School we were playing uh, Brawley, which is out in the desert. And the coaching staff said, no, we, we, we wear pants. So obviously I'm not the head coach, so you follow suit and you, 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 know, you 
stopped pounding. It took me a while, but I wore pants. First game, coach, kid you not, 114 degrees at 7 p.m. kickoff. And I'm looking up, going, sweating from every pore, going, all right, God, you, you got a sense of humor. So the first thing, not the first thing, but the second thing, after accepting the job here at Coronado, I asked the AD, once I had the job, I said, hey, is there a dress code for coaches? And she said, coach, our, our lacrosse coach goes barefoot. I said, well, I promise you I'll never do that. Said, but can, as a coaching staff, can we wear khaki shorts or whatever? And she said, you can wear whatever you want. So I'll let my coaches wear pants if they want, but I, I'm a shorts guy. No, I, I was you took one of the questions out. I typed down here for fun. I remember that whole Twitter feed. And I'm like, I'm liking this because I came up here to Chicago and there's times they're in pants and a hoodie and I'm in shorts and something like this. Because yep. I'm from central Illinois, which is, you wouldn't think it's so much different than Chicago, but it is. And so I'm in shorts a couple of times, but we're winning. We're like 6-0. and oh. I'm like, I have to keep wearing shorts. Well, one day it was 45 degrees, 50 degrees. I'm wearing shorts. I'm like, I'm the biggest idiot on the face of the earth right now. So I had to wear pants the next game, and I hated every moment of it. I was like, I made the biggest mistake. The question is, that the game you wore pants, did you win or lose? We, we, won, we won, but the first half was ugly. I started to think. I was like, <laughs> we're going to lose. It's going to be because I wore pants. I'm very – I have to do the same thing over. Like, if I have the same hat, the same shoes, or the pant, or whatever, I'm like, I have to wear the same type of thing. We played rough the first half. I'm like, I'm going to take the blame. It's me. <laughs> That, that, that's when you send a, one of the managers over to the the trainer and ask for a pair of scissors to cut your pants into shorts. Oh, I considered it because it was uh, – I was like – games, I was hot, and I'm like, oh, we're going to lose. The head coach is going to fire me. It's going to be rough. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought that up because I had it typed up, so good thing we got that done. <laughs> um, so you said you taught elementary school. Is that what you always taught? And then did you always know you just wanted to do that? to teach elementary. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, as you mentioned, how we all have our different paths. My high school football coach owned a daycare center, and it happened to be 100, 200 yards away from my house. So I started working there in the summers, and uh, there, there was a woman, and it's a good thing I don't remember her name. If I did, I wouldn't say it anyways. But I remember one of the kids in summer was probably being a little punk, doing something he shouldn't, probably about like third or fourth grade age, and all the kids were going outside for a recess break period, if you will. And she scolded him and said, you need to stay in here and read. And I remember thinking to myself, like, whoa. Like, and I was in high school then. Thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, that's a punishment? Like, what, what, why are we sending that message, like, you've been bad, now you get to go read? So, uh, yeah, I, I always want to teach. I've, I've always taught kindergarten through fourth grade. I teach regular classroom. You know, and I'm not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're a PE teacher. I was a teacher first. I, I'm currently teaching fourth grade. And I love it. You know, a lot of people – when they find out I teach, they all oh, your kids must be so afraid of you. I, I take great pride in the fact I say that not once in 26 years have I raised my voice in the classroom. And, and it's funny, people say, how do you transition from teaching to coaching? You mentioned, you know, keep it simple, stupid, or keep it stupid, simple. Uh -huh. I, uh, I, I think I have great success, not compared to anyone else, but for me personally, because I teach the same way I coach. When, when my students and my players know that I love them, not because they're good academically or good athletically, but just love them for who they are and try to meet them where they are and take them to where I believe they can be. I think that changes students. I think it changes players. I think it changes people because they realize that you are not trying to have them fit into some mold, but you're just loving them for who they are and helping them to get somewhere greater, hopefully. Yeah. Um, 
because I went through a rough patch. I, I'm going to cheat off of uh, Coach Shipman's podcast because you were on there and I listened to it. I remember listening. You guys talked about be the coach you are. Like, don't try to be somebody else. Yeah. And I remember when I was OC, I'm not going to tell too much about it. I felt like I had to be the bad cop. Like, people were being the good cop and I had to be the bad cop. Like, I's dotted, T's crossed. You know, kids, don't talk back. Like, I had to be that the head coach. And that's so why I was forcing that. Yep. And I go home and I would be mad. I'm like, why am I mad? I'm sitting here mad. And I go to practice the next day and I'm mad again. I'm losing my hair. Like, I don't know what's going Nothing on. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with losing hair. That's why I'm wearing the hat. <laughs> uh, no, I have short hair all the time, but I was just, I got the new gear. I'm in a new school, new gear. I was going to, I wore to school. Exactly. Um, Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So I just sound, I, I appreciate that. This sounds like this is who you are. Like what you just described is how you are. You don't be anybody else. And I know I was somebody else and I was going to quit coaching. It got so bad. I said, I'm going to quit coaching. I don't like how I am. I went to a new school. The guy took me under his wing and he said, let me show you how to get back to who you are. Be yourself. Love so now that. I'm back to myself. I don't, and I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Like when I get mad, yeah, there was cursing. And I was like, I don't like it. I don't, you know, it, it happens for coaches. It kind of happens. Now at this new school, even I've adapted and I just kind of let go. You say the right things to get their attention. And I'm like, this works so much better than losing my mind. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. And that's why I like your inspirational stuff on Twitter. Cause I, it, it's like a reminder, like I don't have to be this way. Yeah. Uh, that's why I look up. I don't even know you. And I was looking up to you. I was like, this is the guy <laughs> like. <laughs> well, I, I, that truly means a lot. You know, it's funny. One, one of the greatest compliments, and, and I want to make a point to, to say to this young man, he's going to be a senior this coming season. But uh, last year that some news station out was out here doing a story or whatever. And they followed some of my social media stuff. And then they interviewed some players and I didn't see this until a few months afterwards. But one of our players said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, they said, how is it, you know, knowing Coach Hines is, you know, all over Twitter and popular on Twitter. And for a split second, I was like, because that could be taken either way. You know, parents and players and teachers could be like, oh, they're more concerned about that or whatever. And it was something I'll never forget. It meant the world to me. So I will thank him for this. But he said something to the effect of, yeah, it's great that the other people in the country can see that, but we get to see that every day. And, and it, it, it meant and means so much to me because, and you know this as well as I do, Coach, but when, when you are someone you're not, people, either people will see through it, and I think sooner or later they will, or as you mentioned, it'll eat at you. It'll eat at your core, and you won't last in your marriage, in your job, in coaching, whatever it is. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah, I was embarrassed to tell people that, even tell you that, but I was like, you know, if you learn from it, then that's the positive. Now, if you don't learn from it, then it's, that's the embarrassing part. Like, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over. Absolutely. And so – 
because like I said, it got so bad I wasn't going to coach. We moved up here and I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm never going to do it again. But then I drove by practices. I started to do this. And I'm like, well, I got to. His name is Coach Walters. Um, he took me under his wing. He's like, you sound like an old school coach. And that's not the way it has to be. Let me show you how do you adapt. Let's get back to what you do. Um, and just having that confidence, I started to get back to what I was doing. I, I was love it. Pepping my step. I was, I wasn't, there's yelling, but I think it's not what I was doing. Like I'm yelling at you. That's what I was doing. But now I'm coaching. Now I'm doing this and getting back. Cause that last year and a half I was doing that was awful. I yeah. had no fun going to practice, leaving practice. I had no fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, get off topic. That's what I do. It's okay. No, no, I, I do want to ask you two things. Is, is it Coach, Coach Walter or Walters? Coach Walters. He's the head coach at Lombard East here in uh, Lombard, Illinois. So, so my, my, my two questions for that, I guess the third, because I just asked what his name was again. Uh, is he on Twitter? He is. He's not big on it, but he's on there. I'll, I'll have to follow him because uh, I, I love that. My, my, my other question is, did you get a chance to thank him or, or – did I – and you know this once again, without sounding preachy, but him pouring into you is going to change other young men's lives through you. Who knows how far, or how long? That's a pretty cool. That gets me excited, you know. I I did I, like because after the season, I told him like you you got me back into coaching, you know, blah blah blah. Like he was playing music at practice with the kids. He goes, I never would have done that years ago. Uh, you got to you know times have changed. We don't have to be this way. And when he yelled at them they got their attention because he was a he turned to be easy going and he when he got after they're like oh he's and yeah. i'm gonna brag about him just for a quick minute um when i got there i got there in 2018 we, we went nine and oh they'd never gone nine and oh before um they made the playoffs for the first time since 1999 uh then we went 10 and oh we won the first round playoff game they'd never gone 10 and oh uh we had two home playoff games we averaged 40-some points a game, only gave up six or seven a game. Uh, he had built that up for seven years. I showed up. He had not gotten the playoffs. He had been built up. And it was that culture building. He was trying to build the culture up. And, uh, you know, he's very simple like me. We're, we're both – he's not stupid, but simple. And so it kind of was like, that's what I want to be. Got back into it. And then the next school I went to is kind of the same. He's building up a program. We're both the same age. We're both going to turn 30. Uh, the head coach I just coached for, uh, it was the same thing. Like he, now he has more energy. He's run all over the field, you know, and everything else, but he's the same. It was building them up, building the program. Uh, so I've been fortunate the last two years to like, I think it's almost like I was supposed to go do that. Like they're supposed to get me back to coaching, yeah. like to what I want to do. So I've been very fortunate for those two guys. Now I'm with another coach. It's his first year. He's a D coordinator last year. He got hired. He picked the wrong time to get hired during COVID, but I keep telling that all the time. It can only go up from here. Well, that's why I told him, I keep saying, aren't you glad you took this job? And he says things I won't say, but he uh... – I'm sure. Um, see, I get off topic, so it's okay. Yeah. Let's see where my place is here. Um, so we talked about COVID and how it changed everything before I start recording. So how did COVID affect California? Um, I assume it's like Illinois, but how did it change just everything? Yeah, everything got shut down. You know, we uh, didn't have spring ball. I know you mentioned there's not really a spring ball in Illinois, but we didn't have spring ball. I, I've always, in the 23 years I've coached now, done the strength and conditioning also. Uh, I know a lot. Once again, not an expert in anything. Um, 
learned a lot from a lot of great coaches. Boyd Epley, uh, who's at Nebraska for 36 years, and uh, just have a passion for that. And I, and I love doing the strength and conditioning because, you know, when you're in practice, you have a practice script, you're down for a minute, and it's, it's you can connect with the players, but it's harder. During the offseason, I love working side by side with them so you can really build those relationships and that culture. We didn't have that. I think like most states, that was shut down completely. So you were hoping guys were working on their own. You know, as a coaching staff, um, one, one, of the, one of the many mistakes I made years ago as a first-time head coach is I tried to do way too much. And I learned over the years to, to still do all we can, but to empower your assistants. Not only does it kind of lighten your load a little bit, but it empowers them and gives them a purpose. Make sure that they understand they are a valued member of that staff. And without them, you're not as strong. So I made a point to reach out to each and every one of our players through phone call or text or private message, whatever it was. Um, but then I realized that first week and a half that I reached out to everyone, I, I was trying to be the guy, trying to be the one that, you know, I thought, wait a minute, it's not about me. So we had a coaches meeting, a Zoom meeting, and I said, hey, let's divide up the staff. I have an amazing staff, and my assistant head coach, uh, Coach Davis, is, I can't speak enough about that guy. I'm just passionate about football, but does so much without even being asked. He's, just, he's a blessing. Um, he divided up the, the, the program, the young men and young, well, we don't have the young women this year, but did last year. He divided up the young men, and we assigned the coaches and said, reach out to them. And I asked him, I said, the first conversation, please don't talk about football. Don't talk about working out. Just, just ask them how they are doing. Because you, not, you and I know the saying, you know, for some of us, this whole COVID thing is a terrible inconvenience and we're frustrated and angry and whatever. For some people, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety and then there's more fighting in the house between mom and dad or kids and jobs being lost. So we're, we're, we're doing well. You know, we just got approval about three weeks ago to work back with our young men. Uh, that's different for every school district. We're not allowed in our weight room. We're outside, but we can use footballs now. We're still doing the social distancing. Um, but the kids are loving it. They're showing up in great numbers. Uh, so we're, we're set to kick off our season if all goes well. Uh, as you mentioned, the Pac-12, that's, that's a good sign for us. And hopefully the, the, the governing bodies will see that and, and realize that's a good thing. But we're set to kick off our season on December 12th. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, guys, we were talking off here, like, they, their December is different than our December. <laughs> we're, starting, we're starting in February. They're still going to have beaches and sh sunshine and all that. We're going to have ice and sleet and, you know, share the indoor facility with somebody. We have an indoor track, but we have to share with other people. Like, uh, you know, the nice way to put it is a dumpster fire. Um, that's the way I'm going to put it. Uh, we're... <laughs> As a new coaching staff, new head coach, we're trying to keep our opinions to ourselves. But I also feel like we have to fight for the kids in Illinois. We're rally there's rallies to try to get it back. But I'm like, I think we have to fight for the kids. But I told my offensive lineman, I said, we control what we can control. We're fighting for you. Be safe when you're fighting for it. If we play in the spring, we play in the spring. If not, or we play in the fall, we play in the fall. If we don't, we have the spring. Yep. At least we have the opportunity to play. I don't care. It could be five games. I don't care. It's the opportunity to do it. Um, but like you said, the Pac-12 coming back is a good sign. Now, when the Big Ten came back, we thought it was going to be great. Well, it, so we're going to have we're going to have Northwestern and Illinois playing while we're watching. Like, it's crazy that these are the times. It's funny too, Coach. I, I'm a firm believer. You know, I love teaching. 
but, but my students have to be in this class and I teach at a private school. But you know, in the United States, you have to have some sort of formal education, whether it's private school, public or homeschool. Young men and young women don't have to play sports. You know, obviously mom and dad sometimes make them play sports. I, I have a biased opinion. I, I think sometimes, you know, young men are told to play a sport, they can choose easier sports than football. So I, I believe that the great majority of those who are blessed to coach choose to be here. And sometimes we as a coach can say the exact same thing a teacher, a mom, or a dad have said for years, but because Coach Steve's saying it or Coach Hines is saying it, it's gospel. They take it more seriously. So there's a lot of power in that, but I also realize that we have to, I have to be careful because I don't want to share my political views with my players. I don't want to because you could have a young man that just thinks the world of you and at some point is going to come to you when they're at their lowest and really need you. And if I share, hey, I love this candidate over that candidate, um, that, that may really deter them from going to the one person they trust and look up to. Now, if a young man asks me my opinions, I'm always going to be open and share it. But I really try to just be there and, and empower them without, without preaching to them. Froze there for and, a second. Yeah, I was saying, I think my internet crapped out on us. Still got you? Yep, it's still here. Guys, you listen out there, I'm a newbie, so this is fine. I'm not panicking or nothing. This is That's right. He's not going to judge me, I hope, so we're fine. No, um, here. not at all. Because that was my next thing. Like, how important is sports during this? Because some people, you know, well, first thing I'll say is it's hard for us to say anything because it turns political. We don't yep. want it to, but it's going to turn that way. And so that's why we have to be careful. Um, because somehow, some way, anybody's going to turn it political, which I don't like, but it's snuck its way in. Uh, people here in Illinois have posted, like, I can't believe parents want their kids to play sports during this. I can't believe this, this, and this. And I keep my mouth shut. And on my podcast, I did an episode by myself. I finally had enough. I said, why sports matter? And I try to keep it not political. I try to – I did the overscale, though. I did economy. I did this. I did that. Yeah. But then I did high school, and I said how important sports are for high school. And I said, if we don't play, we don't play, because it's COVID. But I said, we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it the best we can. So I was asking, like, how important is sports to some of these kids? Like, I just coach inner city kids, kind of, that that's what they need. You know, yeah. we yeah, have the yeah. team. I, for, for me, one of my biggest pet peeves, and boo-hoo for me, I have to deal with it, is when I teach elementary school, the majority of the people I teach with are women. They're great women. I love them. All too often, I'll be re leaving on a Friday for a game and they say, good luck, have fun. And if we, we lose, they're like, oh, that's great. And they think it's just like a hobby. And when I hear someone say it, it's my least favorite phrase is it's just a game. Yes, it's a game. Yes, it should be fun. But I have spoken at a young man's funeral who I coached who took his life. I have coached against my own son, his junior and senior year for homecoming. I have had young men come out of the closet, talk about eating disorders, get young women pregnant, go through divorces, everything under the sun that we all deal with in every aspect of life, every one of us. Um, it's paramount to answer your question, in my opinion. I, I think football is a matter of sports are a matter of life and death. I truly believe that. There are so many people who struggle with depression or anxiety or abuse or neglect and that's their safe place that's their refuge that's that's their life and you know for years I've had uh certain coaches say to me now I've never coached in the inner city I think I really enjoy doing that tonight and I realize there are a whole different challenges that I haven't experienced yet 
But I think sometimes people look at places like Bedford, New Hampshire, where I was a head coach, or Coronado, California, and think, ah, those pretty boys, they have it all. And, you know, the longer I coach, the more I realize you can come from a multi-million dollar mansion and have more cars than drivers and all those different things that the outward world sees as the ideal life. There's still drug abuse. There's still neglect. There's still heartache. There's still depression. There's still all those things we all deal with. It just looks different from the outside. So that, and, and I will say this, I won't mention the coach's name, but there's a coach in Florida. It's a big enough state, so I'm not giving it away. My wife and I went down there this summer to visit my parents. Uh, and he, he just, he owned some restaurants and, and wanted us to come over and to meet us. And it was a great blessing to meet him and talk to him. He said that 70%, 70, 70% of the young men in his program come from single or no parent homes. Mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. To think about that, their only meal comes from when they go to school. The only time they have a young or a man that they can look up to or a woman is their coach or teacher. It's being in school and playing sports is, is life-changing. And I could speak for hours on it, but I won't. So that, that's my... That's my short answer. Yeah, I did my little podcast show. I did it twice because the first one went on for like an hour and a half. And I was like, nope, I have to change it. Uh, no, the school I just coached at, it's not an inner city, but they have some kids that come from single parent homes or they live with their grandparents, live with their brother. And I never coached kids like that. And then it hit me like week two. We have our team meals and we give kids a place to go home. That's their meal. That's what they need. Before a game, we have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Coach, can I take an extra sandwich? Yeah, go ahead. And I, it, it started to hit me like, this is, this is their meal. This is what, and, they, and some took it home to their mom. Maybe they took it home for them. And, you know, the, the people that I saw post sports don't matter. They're from where I grew up, where you didn't really see that. We're in the country where, you know, you don't see that. Yeah. So I'm like, if they saw that, I think they changed a little bit, you know. And I completely agree. And I, I think all of us are ignorant in some things. And usually it's things we choose to be ignorant in. My wife knows more about my truck than I ever will. I don't care. I love my truck. But I don't care about knowing about this or that. She loves that. Um, I, I think for people to say, oh, you know, because you see it. You say, oh, you know, when we say, hey, we need football. We want football. And people will sometimes attack you, not even knowing us and knowing our backgrounds or our players. and say you don't care about people's health and safety. No, just the opposite. I see so much of the value of the mental health, the mental well-being. They see as a Neanderthal dumb jock coach answer is, is what I see as a lifeline to, to a young man or young woman's existence and what they need. Right, yeah. I said the same things. I completely agree. Um, we're, we're trying to get them healthy when they're playing sports. We're, they're, they're healthy when they're doing that. And they talk about our immune system and then mental health is huge. Like there's a coach on Twitter. You may have seen him coach Josh Josephs. He coaches in Illinois. He's been big in Illinois. He, I got to talk to him on here. He's become like a vocal leader for this. And he said he had the highest percentage attendance he's ever had for football. Yep. He's never had that before. Um, you know, some places had like 150 kids show up and they've never played football. They wanted to get out of the house. And I never thought I'd say this. Kids don't want to play video games anymore. They want to go out there and do that. Right. They, they, they need that social interaction. They need just that, that human contact. Yeah, uh, we could go on for, bring it on again, we'll go for another hour on that. But 
Um, so I wouldn't do my job. We all coaches love X's and O's and I never see anything from you from X's and O's. I think you're a culture guy and that's the most important thing. So I just have to ask from the coach's side of me, like, so what's your offense and defensive like philosophy stuff and yeah. all that. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I, it's funny, there's, there's, there's some coach, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he does, a, someone called it the Dungeons and Dragons of football, where he has one offensive coach, one defensive, and he asked me to come on, and I felt horrible rejecting, you know, declining, so I appreciate it. I'm a firm believer, first of all, as far as the X's knows, that any offense can win, and any defense can win. I truly believe that. The coaches, we've got to know what we're talking about as a head coach. Our assistants have got to buy in, and the players have to buy in. I, I have beaten teams and lost teams, lost the teams that run the spread, that run the straight T. Forget about the wing T. There was a school in New Hampshire, Exeter, Coach Bill Ball, who was a legend in New Hampshire. His whole philosophy was no splits, no blitz. He ran double tight, three backs all the time, would pass on average one to three times a game. And my final year as head coach there, we beat them twice, once in the regular season, um, once in the postseason. We beat them on the scoreboard marginally, but they beat us up. They, they would just, just ground and pound and pound. Um, what we do here at Coronado, uh, we run the spread. We, we run the triple option. I, I love football as a numbers game. You know, I, I, what I teach our quarterbacks is if we just hand the ball off like that, it's 11 on defense against 10 on offense. So the longer we can ride out that fake, you know, our meat and potatoes is our inside zone. If we run that well enough, I feel like we can do a lot of damage. Um, I, I've had coaches on my own staff uh, that I had to kind of set straight right away. They say, oh, I'm not a fan of the spread. I like smash mouth football. And I'm like, oh, that's blasphemous. But you, you can be spread and run smash mouth football. Um, defensively, I'm a big fan of the 4-4. However, we don't have that student body here. And what I mean by that is, um, especially with the naval base, a lot of the kids we get are smaller, rugged, you know, not, not big, you know, 220 rugged, but smaller, 170, 160. Uh, we get some tall, lanky kids as well. We don't have a ton of size. We get a few young men this year on our line that are big and, and thick, which is great. Um, defensively, we run a 3-5. And the reason for that is we can easily fit and find a lot of outside linebacker corner type players. It's hard for us to find three solid, big defensive linemen, let alone four or five. You know, certain packages we'll go into. Um, I, I mentioned one of the schools I coached at um, where I think the head coach with the best of intentions would take the best players out of the game, uh, not, phys not physically but, or not literally, but, but mentally. 
because he switched things up way too often. And, and I believe in the philosophy of, you know, it doesn't matter how much we know as coaches that we can't teach that to our players and get them to play fast. And I think sometimes playing fast is as simple as getting them to enjoy the game, have confidence, and not be afraid to make mistakes. Because I think when you, you talked about some of the coaching changes you went through personally, if our players are afraid to make mistakes, they're going to play slow. They're going to play hesitant. And when you embrace the fact that, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. And I, I want to make mistakes Monday through Thursday as much as we can in practice and not tear them apart for it. Because the more mistakes we make Monday through Thursday, the better we'll play on Friday or Saturday. Um, but yeah, we, we, we run the spread. Um, another pet peeve of mine, coaches, you know, when they say, I like to, I, you know, I like to pass more. I like to run more. I like to be 50-50. Offensively, and I'm our offensive coordinator. I like to do what the what the defense gives us. You know, if we if we if we have to pass 75 percent of the game to win the game, we're going to pass 75 percent of the game. If we have to run the ball, we'll do that. Um, I also, you know, I, I'm a big believer in you know the, the philosophy of pass short to gain long. You know, the quicker our quarterbacks can get rid of the ball, the less chance our linemen get caught holding. You know, I, I teach our linemen all the time. We want to be holding. They go, no, but yes, yes, hold every play. Just never get caught. You know, we'll never teach or allow dirty play. But if I can get my hands inside your breastplate and my thumbs are in and we're chest to chest, they're not seeing that hole. We're going to get in there tight. So, uh, yeah, and, and the reason that, you know, and, and I get that, you know, I, I, I think you joke around, Coach. I'm sure you're a lot smarter, Coach, than, than you give yourself credit for. I know my strengths as a coach. I, I know what I bring to the table. And I'm not saying this to try to sound humble. There are probably 10,000 coaches out there in the United States at the high school level, easily, that know X's nose better than I do. And I feel like I know the game well. I feel like I know the game well. But for me, it's, it's, you have to know the game. You have to know the X's nose. But it's about knowing the players and finding out what makes them tick, in my opinion, and then going from there. Yeah, because when I volunteered first, because you said volunteer, we have to volunteer. I thought X's and O's was what the coach, you know, that's how they won. Then as you get into it, you're like, you could tell them to go run through the brick wall. If they do it, then it's like they believe in you, so you could do whatever you want. Because yep. um, it's funny, on Twitter, you see people hate each other on the spread and the lean tea. And, you know, I'd stir the pot a little bit sometimes just to poke fun. Yep. But I, some of the coaches on my podcast or ones I've been on, they're all wing tea guys, and I'm the spread guy, so they give me a lot of crap. Because uh, I love Mike Leach. I love, like, Gus's offense and stuff. I love to incorporate it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have an H-back and a tight end run. But we're going to have those air raid concepts behind it. Like, you know, and that's fine. Yeah, and I'll tell you about that. You talk about, you talk about the spread. And, and <laughs> I laugh at, at myself about this. I remember when I was in high school and college. I played center and defensive end in high school. I played tight end in college. We would be in coaches, or not coaches, but, but uh, chalk talk, team meetings. And they talk about the H here, the X here, the Y here, the Z here. And I remember sitting there going, why? Like, I, why, why is the eighth there now? Why is the eighth there? And I never had the courage to raise my hand. Thought I was the only one. Come to find out when I started coaching, more and more kids. I remember I was at one school talking to a defensive back. I was coaching defensive back. And just talking about cover two. And he's like, coach, can I ask you a question? And he looked like he was just about to, like, pour his heart out to me. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what's cover two? He was a senior, stud player. He had no idea what cover two was. He was just winging it. And that was one of the paradigm moment shifts I had where I was like, you don't have to be a genius in football. If you, if you, you know, just you get to know the basics. Um, so what I did when I, and I didn't create anything or reinvent the wheel, 
But when I first became a head coach, we took our spread and I got rid of the X, the Y, the Z, the H. Our, our, we have our wide receiver on the, on the left is our L. Our wide receiver on the right is our R. We go tight end, that's rock, so that's tight end right. Tight end left is load. And our slots are A and C and our back is B, so we go A, B, C. So our, our inside zone we call bar 51, and bar simply means back at right. Our ball is back at left. For us, trips is always to the right, trio is always to the left. I, I, and because I wasn't that smart of a player and I'm not that smart of a coach, I really try to take the thinking out of it. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say dumb it down because I have a lot of players that are smart, cerebral players. But really, I think the simpler we can make it for them and for our coaches, the more enjoyable it is. Just let, let them play football. Get, the, get them in a position to, to succeed and let, just take the chains off. Let them go out there and have fun. And there are so many coaches that can outcoach me. But, but as far as out loving me and you know, loving your plays and pouring into them, I, I, I'll go to bat with anyone because I feel – not that I'm better than anyone, but, but, but I, I know what my strengths are. and I know the game, but I feel like I know people really well also. Yeah, uh, when I was OC, we were – our playbook was this thick. And I was OC. We had to snap the ball every 12 seconds, and I hated every moment of it because yep. there was too many plays. Uh, then, like I said, when I went to that – I'm going to talk about the Lombardi again. We had two formations, two by two and three by one. Love it. And then we could just tighten them down if we wanted, and we went 9-0. Yeah, you know, it's fine too, Coach. So, so this is our offensive playbook right here. That's it. That's it. I like it. What, what I learned, you know, because as a head coach my first few years, every time I had an assistant say, hey, what about this? What about that play? I felt like I had to say yes to everything. So our playbook kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and our, our success rate became smaller and smaller and smaller, and I was losing every game our first year. And now what I've really challenged myself with is when I come up with a new play, which is fairly often, or when an assistant coach suggests a new play and I sit down with them and I always listen to them, I have to convince myself or have them convince me, what are we going to take out of the playbook? It's got to be something better than what we have. Um, and, and then that happens. That happens from time to time. And I love that. But it's, for me, it's, it's the whole less is more. You know, it's just, it's, and it, the same thing applies. I could talk about this forever, and I'm not an expert once again. But the weight room is, I don't want my guys doing 14 variations of the squat. I want them to do body weight squats, first and foremost, proper form, Ke uh, you know, kettlebell squats, zombie squats. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. Um, I just learned about them three years ago. Um, but it's when you, if the bar is here, you put your shoulder under it, so the bar is uh -huh. here, it's poking you. Because if I round my back, the bar is falling off away from the And then we go into front squats and then back squats. So I think less is more. I, I, th I think, you know, the, the more we can perfect a play, it's, uh, gosh, Bruce Lee, the, the famous Bruce Lee qu quote, if mm -hmm. I can not misquote him, you know, I, I fear not the man that practiced 10,000 kicks, but the man that practiced one kick 10,000 times. The, the, I think there's a lot of power and a lot of transition and carryover in the, in the world of football with that. Yeah, because I'm the run game coordinator now, so we're putting in stuff on my own to keep it stupid simple, and we're installing it already. And I'm so simple. We're going to walk through it until we get it right. We're power. Power's the one. Yes. That's the offense coordinator wants power. I said, you got it, and we're going to make it so simple. And I only take two or three run plays because I practice every day, every defense. I don't care what – on film, we can see film. It's that. And then I go extra. I'm like, well, what if they do this? What if they do that? 
Because when I was OC, that team I run a 4-4, when we go play them, they're in a 3-5 now. And yeah. my, my players are like, what just yeah. happened? Yep. Well, and, and I have to ask you, and this is the same question for myself, how confident would you be? I would have zero confidence, and I feel like I'm a very confident person. But to step in the ring with Mike Tyson, even at 53 years old, if you said, hey, he can only use two punches on you. Listen, those two punches, whatever he chooses, are going to do damage. Because he's done those two punches, whatever they are, for that long. So, yeah, well, less is more. The only way I'm getting in that ring with him is to give him his towel. That's yeah, the only time. Yeah, I'll give him some water and a yes, sir. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Don't, no, no. He okay. knocked me out, and I'd never wake up. No. Uh, so, I'm keeping you a very long time. I'm just going to do a couple more. Wow. Um, um, so, how – you become, like, a keynote speaker. Like, you've become this big speaker. How did that come about? Did you plan on that happening? Did it just happen? Like, yeah. like is your – and how do you come up with the messages? Those are my two things. Like, how did you become the speaker? How do you come up I, – I saw the one – um, don't misquote, I'm going to try to misquote you. It was a student of yours and you had the dime and the nickel. Yes. That one I loved. And I'm like, how does he come up with this? How do you become a speaker? And So let me try to get all three there. The dime and the nickel I did not come up with. Um, and I am not plagiarizing. I read that years ago. Now they didn't tie it into the size of our bank account or house or how big we are physically. But I remember talking about just reading something, I think it was in like college, about the worth something aside so i didn't come up with that a lot of the stuff it's just coming just coming through life i think all of us do you drive by certain things and just kind of pick up things i i, I so you just come it, the thoughts just come to me and that, that's a scary thought because you know my wife jokes around a lot you know i'll say things when i'm not recording things that she's like <laughs> really you just said that and i'm like listen the stuff i say is stuff i that's the i've edited that stuff like that that's the stuff i i, I allow myself to say um the speaking stuff you know, it's funny, it's all come, the great majority of it has come through Twitter. And I fought Twitter for the longest time. You know, I, I paint murals also. Um, I love painting. So when I, Instagram and Facebook came out, it was natural. You could show pictures and stuff or whatever before Twitter allowed you to do that. And my wife was like, get on Twitter. Because she would come, and still does, come to every game. And when she would go to the away game, she was home and watching the news and the scores before I was leaving the visitor locker, locker room. So I was constantly calling her or texting her. So I reluctantly got on Twitter, and then I remember what it was years ago, probably like six, seven years ago. Um, someone had cut and paste or whatever one of my one of my tweets, and I wasn't that butthurt about it. But they didn't retweet or give credit, so I'm like, that son of a gun just stole what I said, you know. And um, it, it's not a big deal; it wasn't. But that's when I started doing videos. I'm like, you can't steal a video, you know. So uh, I, it just it just started to resonate with people. The funny thing about the speaking was. Um, I've been so blessed. Uh, two, two things I'll share quickly. Do you know Inky Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, he, he's a, I think he was a Tennessee player that, that got paralyzed, lost the use of like his left arm or right arm. I don't remember. But that guy is ridiculously gifted in, in spit sharing messages and stuff. And he's one of the first ones that comes to mind for me. So when I first started getting asked to speak at coaching clinics or – companies or whatever I, mean, I don't want to get too preachy with my faith my faith you know you see some of the stuff it means everything to me um it was really satan working on me saying Hines, who are you? you you don't have that story you didn't play at a division one school you aren't in the nfl you know who are you and it was kind of a god moment where i read something once that said uh you know our ego is every time we edge god out another thing i did not come up with so 
but it really slapped me upside the head. I thought, listen, if God puts something on your heart, just like you coach to do this podcast, you may not be a, be a Joe Rogan or someone that has millions of followers or whatever, whoever we want to think of, but you're changing lives by putting it out there. And, and I feel blessed and honored to connect with you. So I, I let go of my ego a little bit and said, I'm going to stop edging God out. And if someone asks me to speak, there's a reason for it. There, there's something I'm sharing in a way they want me to share. The funny thing is I've been, I've been able to speak at like Fidelity Investments and just, just before COVID hit, um, I got a private message from a gentleman on Twitter that said, hey, we wanna, you know, our company wants to fly you out to the Bahamas and have you speak for us. It was ADT security. And it seemed like one of those emails you get from someone from Nigeria is, hey, we want to put money into your bank account. Just give us your social security. So uh, I almost didn't respond to it. Long story short, I did. I said, hey, please email me, email me at my business account. And they did. And it was, it was legit. So I remember having a conference call with he and a coworker of his. And I said, just curious, why? Like, why me? You know? And they said, coach, we, we love your message. And most of our higher management are former athletes and the ones that are, are leaders in their own right. And that's what I've come to realize that my, my message is not a lot different than other people's. It's not any better. It's just, it's from the heart. And I think that resonates with certain people. Um, and, and you know this as well as I do, 7.7 billion people or whatever the number is on the planet nowadays, there's enough negativity and hatred and hurt and pain and just bile out there. And I don't think the world will ever be overpopulated with people that want to share positivity and good, good messages. So, you know, when, when people ask him to speak, um, I just got asked to speak in a, uh, Missouri, I think. And I was like, yeah, excited to do it. And then my manager worked out the whole fee and all that stuff that I don't want to do. And then uh, just so happened that our football season got pushed back and I can't do it now because we have a game that Friday. And my manager was like, well, can't you miss this one game? I'm like, no, no, not, no, no, not, not for any amount of money. No, I cannot. But uh, so oh. it, it was not, it was not planned. It still amazes me every time that someone reached out and asked me, and I'm, I'm humbled by it. Yeah, as I said, I shot my shot. This is me shooting my shot. I was I like, I got disappointed. You know? No, that's why I apologize to keep being on for so long. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is taking forever. I'm I don't mind going to school tomorrow I'm tired after this. And tomorrow's a Friday, so that's a great thing. It's a great we, day. You know what's funny too? We typically right now I'd I'd be uh, just wrapping up our uh here in California, our pasta dinner after Thursday practice. and I don't sleep on Thursdays. It's and I not even funny. It's, it's, it's a sickness. I, I watch, and we all watch a ton of films. I'm not, I'm not being one of those coaches. Like, I watch so much film. But Thursday nights, my wife and I, we, you know, we say prayer every morning and every night. And Thursday nights around 10 or 11, we'll say prayer and should go to bed. And I try. And usually around 11 o'clock, I'm like, I'm not sleeping. So I'm up until 3 or 4. The alarm goes off at 5.30 and I'm up. But So, no, this is good for me. I, I, I'm, I'm used to not, not going home early on Thursdays. Yeah, I'm the, I, I don't sleep well on Thursdays, and I don't sleep well on Fridays. Fridays, the whole game replays back in my head. Exactly, yeah. Because, like, during the game, you know what's going on, but it's still kind of a blur. And then after a while, it starts to come back, and you're like, oh, I remember this, I remember this. It's a sick I, that's why I loved uh, Pac-12 after dark, because I'd get up. Because yeah. here in Illinois, like, right now it's 9.09. So I'd get home at, like, 10 o'clock or 11, and Washington State's on or something. I'm like, yeah. oh, I can watch it. Like, I can sit here, and I just watch it until one in the morning, it's the same. Um, so why the Dallas Cowboys? I'm gonna ask, now my, my dad's a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm a Bears fan. 
<laughs> I'm a Bears fan, so I watch the Cowboys. I have a Cowboys shirt in my closet. Don't worry, it's in there. Uh, I, I wear it. I get a lot of flack for it. But so I just asked, why the Dallas Cowboys? I, I want them to win this year. I was like, they have something. They, it's, it's time for them to win. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Rhode Island, and my, all my family and friends are Patriots fans through and through. Um, serious answer, I think growing up, that's when they were in their heyday. You know, I, I, but, you know a lot of kids love teams when they're winning. Um, when I started to understand, understand the game more, my father was, you know, molding me and teaching me, and not really about the game, but just about life and character. Tom Landry is, is a class act. Um, yeah, Jerry Jones, I'm not a huge fan of. I think business-wise, he, he's a genius or close to it. I, I wish he would step back a little bit, but it's, it's easy for me as someone not involved with the organization to try to tell someone, I mean, that, but that's like parents in the stands telling us how to coach, you know? So, so I, I, I even bother myself when I tell, when I say that. Um, I, I just, I, I love the Cowboys. I have one tattoo and it's Cowboys tattoo. It's, uh, it's, we had a chocolate lab named Dallas for 14 years, greatest dog ever, and the only reason we had a chocolate lab named Dallas was because my wife didn't want me to name our daughter Dallas, which in hindsight, she said it sounds like a dancer's name. And I'll, I'll say dancer, she used a different word. Um, so uh, Dallas and Star got knocked off the table and her name's Abby now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, our son Brockton, our son Brock was named after Brock Marion, who played for the Cowboys for years. And uh, I just, just I've, I've always been a diehard Cowboys fan and always will be. I refuse to get a matching tattoo as the Gelling Club. I'm not going to get oh. on, my, on my belly. I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not that good of shape. <laughs> no, I would never. I'm a big guy. I uh, was the chubby kid. And then, <laughs> and then freshman 15 hit in college and it was even worse. So I'm slumber now, but quarantine weight, I lost it. So it's. Yeah. I, I, uh, I joke about the freshman 15 in college. I, you know, COVID-19 is what hit me. Oh. COVID-19. <laughs> I COVID made me start running. I hate running with a passion. I do the elliptical or I walk on the treadmill. When COVID happened, I tried to do home workouts, which I hated. And I was like, I have to pick up jogging. So the first jog was like 10 minutes and I was done. I was like, I make the athletes run for this. Like, I'm like, oh. So then I started jogging and it turned into, I could jog like a mile without stopping eventually. Now, when I say jog, that's your 16 minute mile. Like we're not going to get crazy. That's right. So COVID-19, I started pulling the weight, so they got me running. Uh, no, I'll say this. Cowboys fans are like LeBron James fans. I always used to say it. But just to poke fun, just to poke fun. But I said, I bet you, though, you're watching the Cowboys on the TV. I bet you they're on there. I said, people watch Notre Dame. They hate Notre Dame yep. and the Cowboys. But it's on your TV. You hate the Patriots. It's on your TV. Exactly. Uh, I wore a Dallas Cowboys shirt last year to school, and they were like, Really? Really, and I never heard the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Two weeks ago, you know, Cowboys won a game. I, I hate to say they shouldn't have, but last week they won that, that game of the onside kick. The week before that, they when they when they got beat up by the Rams, I showed up to practice, and uh, Johan, I'll say his name, one of our linemen, stocky, 300, he's 340 last year, 300 now, 300 pounds, very proud of him. He's done amazing work, looked really good. Uh, show up, he's wearing an Aaron Donald shirt. And uh, I was like, Johan, you're off the team. Get out of here. And obviously, he knew I was kidding, but it pained me. It pained me. No, I'm a Bears fan, so I have nothing to say. We should be one and one right now yeah. with Mitch Trubitsky. Because um, it's funny, right before I got you on, on my podcast, I'm trying to do like a show where it's like NFL recap and college football recap. I'm trying to like do more. 
Yeah. So right before you got on, I was like, let's talk about the Cowboys game. And I said, I want them to win. I'm so glad they did. Maybe this will push them to go do something. I hope so. You know, what, what's funny in the Twitter world, and I love Twitter. I think it's a blessing connecting with gentlemen like you and throughout the world, you can connect with some great people. And it's funny though, because you hear people on Twitter. Uh, it's tough being a Cowboys fan because Sunday, my wife and I were running some errands. The game had started, so I'm she's driving. I'm scrolling on Twitter trying to find out. I speak English fairly well. That's all I speak. In Southern California, you know, Cowboys fans, you know, in Texas, whatever, a lot of them are Mexican. And uh, a lot of the Twitter feed, I can't understand a single word. So, you know, it'd be no bueno. I'm like, well, I get that. I, I get no good. But no bueno what? What's the score? What just happened? So uh, it was nice to get home and be able to watch and see what, what was going on. But that, 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 that last game with the Cowboys proved to me that, just like we tell our quarterback, a nicely thrown tight spiral is a beautiful thing, but a touchdown is a touchdown, a tackle is a tackle, a turnover is a turnover. It doesn't have to be pretty. So uh, a win is a win. We'll take it. I'm saying that with Mr. Bitsky. I'm like, win's a win, but I'm calling for Nick Foles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so then who's your favorite college team, if you have one? or? Yeah, you know, you know I really, I really, I like, I like the, I should say, the Ohio State, you know, uh, and then the, the reason why I just like their, I hate to use this word swagger, but it came to mind. I, I just like the, the feeling about that. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan also. Um, and it's, there's no rhyme or reason to the teams I like. I, I, I love watching, love watching Army play. Um, I love college football because I, I, I think it's, it's pure. I mean, there's political stuff at every level, whatever. But uh, I love the energy. I love the passion. I, I love the, you see the fans come out and stuff. Um, I just love watching good football. I, I just love watching good football. Yeah, I hate Ohio State, so <laughs> that's why I was like. Yeah, I saw the cringe there. Well, my respect. I respect him. Ryan Day, who's the head coach now, was quarterback at University of New Hampshire, which okay. was just where I coached at Bedford High School. It was just you know an hour hour down the road, so uh, we would have uh, Coach Mack, the head coach of UNH. Every year, and his, he and his staff would put on some great clinics for the high school teams. So uh, I, that's my only connection to Ryan Day. Don't know him personally. Not 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 a big fan, and have nothing against him. But uh, it, it's nice to see New Hampshire boy, you know, coaching there. Yeah, since I grew up in Illinois, we can't like Ohio State. We can't like Indiana. You get disowned. Uh, right? Do what? You get disowned by, by yeah, your I, the community. I respect Ohio State. You can't deny what they do. So I was like, uh, but Notre Dame, um, the head coach I first coached for at Charleston, he's a Notre Dame fan, big Notre Dame fan. He goes to games. So I, I bought a shirt. I have it. I still get crap for that. But again, I said, you watch them. So they've grown on me uh, growing up. You watched them. And uh, so I have like two more and that's it, I promise. Yep. So, so what advice would you give to a guy that's a head coach to build a program? You've built programs literally from the ground up, it seems like. So, like, long version, short version, it doesn't matter. Like, what's important to you to build that? Because we're doing that now. Like, the team's fallen on hard times for the past four or five years. The head coach has come in. We're changing everything. Yep. Not changing everything, but he's building it. He's like, this is what we're going to do. Like, I call it, there's a slab. There's been walls. Now we're just adding, you know, because every school has it. We're just building so what advice would you give to, like, build a culture in your program, like, from the ground up? Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the most important one to me is one that I, I thought I did correctly years ago, and then I realized after losing every game my first year and only two the second year, um, is, is to know your why. 
Um, and that, that's why we coach that, that I think it goes back to what you had mentioned earlier about going home mad at practice, you know, yelling and screaming and you know, not being who you are. I feel like when you know your why as a coach, you can weather those tough parents. You can weather those tough losses. You can weather the tough administration. And I've been blessed to, to have great administration wherever, wherever I've been. Um, I used to think knowing your why was enough until I realized that some of my players and assistant coaches didn't know their why. And it's different for everyone. Some people are coaching just for the win. And I'm not saying they're bad coaches to have on the staff, but they've got to understand that, in my opinion, if they're going to be on our staff, it's more than just the game. You can have tremendously successful years and have a losing record. You know, I firmly mm -hmm. believe that. So to know your why, help your players and your coaches to know their why. Um, and to be yourself. You know, I, I, you look at, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, you talk about if they're on the TV. I'm always watching the Patriots because I'm not a fan of the Patriots, but I have tremendous respect for Coach Belichick and all those players, the whole organization. Um, I think, how can you not? Um, if, you try, if I try to be like Bill Belichick and not crack a smile, and, and, not, and I don't know what he's like off camera, behind closed doors, obviously, but I tell my players I love them all the time. I tell my students I love them all the time because I do. There are certain coaches at high school or collegiate or professional level who will never say that who are winning championships, you know? And, and, and I, I think you have to find out what makes you tick as a coach and be that person. Second thing I would say is, you know, as building a program is it's all about the people. Um, I'm a firm believer that every successful organization, family, school, program, comes down to people loving people. And when you have people that you know are there for you, win or lose, good days or bad days, you're willing to run, as you mentioned, run through a wall for them because you know they love you, period. Not love you, ellipses, there's more to come. It's just, I love you. So that, that's that's the short answer. Yeah, as I say, you could do a whole podcast on Sports Matter and <laughs> building a program. Uh, so last thing, do you ever get crap for retweeting yourself? I heard Coach Schiffman ask you, so I had to bring that in there. I had to do that. I don't mind it. I love it. That, that's a glitter twitch. I've never done that. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I have. You know what's funny? I have, and at first, uh, and it's funny, uh, Coach Schiffman mentioned something about that on one of his tweets, and I brought it up on, on our podcast. He's like, no, no, that wasn't about you. Um, when I first saw his tweet, I was like, damn, I was bothered by it. <laughs> and I mentioned this on his. The same thing I teach my own children when they'd be bothered about something. I'm like, listen, if it's not true, don't worry about it. Or if you stand by it, don't worry about it. The reason I do, and this is a lame justification, but the reason I do is, especially growing up and, and coaching and living on the East Coast, now being on the West Coast, I realize that if I believe in what I'm sharing and I think it could impact someone in a positive way, my 5.30 a.m. post when I first get up in the morning here is 8.30 back East. You know, or my, hey, I'm going to bed now, it's 10.30 post here, is 1.30 back east. So I, I, I see no harm in it. And once again, I think it goes back to the, the world is overpopulated with arrogant, cocky, hate-filled, negative people. And if, if, if we're putting stuff out there that we believe in, why not? You know, and I equate it to, you know, and I'm not comparing myself to a Nike, you know, but Nike and other companies run their commercials all the time. Twitter, yeah. Twitter is a free platform. You know, if we, if we believe in our message, why not put it out there again? 
So that, I'm embarrassed by that, but yes, that's, I'm standing by it. I'm standing by it. No, like you said earlier, you're going to post what you want. You're going to do what you want. Who cares? It's not hurting anybody. Right. And sometimes it, I might miss a tweet. So if you retweet it. And I don't, I don't think what I say is that important, but I, I do believe in what I share. Love it. Love it. Um, so coach, I guess this would be the last thing. What's going on in your world over there? I know you have a podcast. I know there's been stuff on Chief Pigskin. I think you guys have been posting. Yep. So if you want to promote that, talk about that, go right ahead. I tried to listen to it at school today. Don't tell anybody. I was listening to it, but don't tell anybody. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Ty, Mark Ty and I out here, we met in church. Uh, he's a baseball guy, so we're not a real sport. But uh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. Um, I say that because I, I played baseball for one year as a kid. I remember being at bat twice in practice getting hit twice. I was that fat and that slow with my, my, my reaction time. And I kid you not, I remember the coaches saying, after me being hit in the elbow, go take your base. I remember thinking in second grade, what? He just hit me. That hurts. I, I want to hit him bad. So I'm like, mom, dad, I got to play football. Um, but Mark Ty and I, he, he's a great man. And we connected, you know, I know nothing about baseball. He knows nothing about football. But we both love people and love our sports. So we do a, a podcast called For What It's Worth Coaching Podcast. And it's just, as we mentioned with my tweet, it's just that. If, if you like it, like it, share it, retweet it, comment, whatever. If not, keep scrolling. Um, we do that. And uh, Coach Nate Arbaugh, if I'm saying his name right, but Chief Pick. Arbaugh, yeah. What is it? Coach Arbaugh, yeah. Okay, Arbaugh, all right, I'll close it up. Great, great guy had me on one time and, and just reached out and said, hey, would you like to, to, to put your stuff on here? Um, and I, I think once again, if it's coaches helping coaches, it's, you know, I, I think the coaches that are doing it right, the coaches that want to change lives, if we can support each other and put stuff out there and do things with each other, the more the merrier. So yeah, there, and I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on probably more social media platforms than I'd like to admit, but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I had to whisper the TikTok one. Do, do you know Gary V? How do I know that name? So he, he's, I don't know if he's a billionaire or not, or it's close, but he, he runs uh, Vayner Media. He was one of the early investors in Twitter and like Uber and stuff like that. But I saw one of his videos and he's like, listen, he was talking to people my age. He's like, all you people said, oh, you know, Twitter, you know, or not Twitter, but Facebook's foolish and that's for the kids. And now everyone from 20 to 70 are on Facebook and you all poo-pooed Instagram and now you're all on Instagram and you all, and his, his point that I took to heart was, it's a free platform that allows you to get out there. He's like, if you don't want to do stupid dances on TikTok, don't do stupid dances, put up the same content. And that's what I do now. So I put out the same foolish content, not foolish, but the same content. It's just on a different platform. So the way I look at it is I have some of my fourth graders that follow me on TikTok and I love it because I'm not, I'm not putting stuff out there that's, that's inappropriate. I'm not putting stuff out there that I don't believe in. And I very often do share my faith. So when I put something out there that, that's near and dear to me, it's talking about depression or my faith or whatever. And one of my fourth graders sees it and just sticks with them, then, you know, more power to it. I totally forgot about TikTok. I love some <laughs> of the TikToks you did. I, I was like, oh, yeah. He's... But... Love it. Um, no, uh, I started listening to pot, your podcast. I listened to it before. I was listening to today at school. Don't tell my administrators. I was listening to it. No, uh, Coach Allball story, then we can wrap it up. Uh, my senior year of high school, he was the head coach at Milford High School. 
and I had to play against his team, and they beat us by one point Ooh. in overtime. So I was on one of his uh, cheap skins under the light things, and I brought that up. He goes, oh, my God, you were on that team? And he goes, I'm old then, because that was 2008, 2008. And it was just a small world. He was like, yeah. I knew you from somewhere, and this, this, and that. And that's that's it, a that's small it. world. So that's how I know how to say his name. I remember, remember him coaching there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, too, just in the coaching world, I, I, I think, you know, we're not that different from each other as far as coaches. You know, I, I think there are, if you use the term bad apples or all stuff going on as far as, you know, personally, I support our police. But I'm getting political now. I really do. I think the great majority of them are great men and women who want to protect and serve. But there are jack wagon police officers who should never wear the badge. I think most coaches are great coaches, men and women. Some of them are jack wagons who only want to win games and use people. But I, I, I think it's a great fraternity, sorority group of people. And uh, it's, as I said from the, the beginning, it's a, it's a blessing to connect with you. No, I, I am completely honored. I like geeked out. He's like, he's got to come on, like clear my schedule. There's nothing going on. Uh, well, coach, that's all I had for you. Any last words, final thoughts, anything like that? Just, just truly. Thank you. You know, it's, 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 it's humbling. It truly is because uh, as I said from the beginning, I'll go full circle. I am not an expert in anything, but passionate about a lot of things. So to share my passion, to be able to connect with you, uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. No, Coach, the honor. I, I can't believe you came on. I'm so happy that this happened. I uh, got to meet you. It's great. Like, uh, social media is great for something like this. Like, never would have met someone like you without social media or, like you said, me doing this podcast never would have happened, never would have started. I'm a nobody coach in Chicago, by Chicago. And, Talking to uh, you, I'm not a nobody coach. So, let's uh, do business, so to speak. Yeah, you got the better better weather, though, so you kind of win in that. Uh, so, all right, guys, so anybody out there listening, I appreciate you. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.